Hello, I'm Emily Dean. And I'm Kim Hyland. And we're your hosts for You're Not That Special. Where we share conversations about the wonder and joy of our everyday lives. And we're so glad you're here. Hello, Mom. Hey, Em. This is You're Not That Special at Emmy's house. We're, and it's nighttime. I feel like that's just, that should be said. Yes. For our listeners. Yeah. Um, it was a day. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a normal day for you. Yep. I was with you today, helping with the kiddos, playing soccer, doing more physical activity in <laughs> 10 hours than Apparently, I normally Nina's do pretty in a good week. at soccer. Yeah, with so your seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you impressed Ezra, I, so. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. He, You know, you get pigeonholed, and then all of a sudden... They're like, wow. Look, she can run. <laughs> and kick a ball <laughs> with some accuracy. Oh, my word. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that we've ever podcasted from your house. Maybe once. Yeah. yeah I think once a while back. Yeah, like a year ago. Yeah. yeah. But um, podcasting in the evening is always going to be different than podcasting in the morning. Podcasting with a glass of red wine is going to be different than <laughs> podcasting with a cup the, of coffee. Yeah, yeah. It's so. kind of the the many many faces or phases of of a day. Of a day, yeah. And we talk about There's laundry that all going the in time. the backyard, ba- backyard, <laughs> background. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're in that phase, the the quieting down. Yep. Slow phase, and we were going catch to catch where catch can. Yes, we, we were going to talk about what we're learning and it's been we've had a bit of a break so um I know I'm learning a lot you're learning a lot um we mentioned talking about looking along Mm -hmm. a thing that we were going to share that um really awesome teaching from C.S. Lewis um and it's Lent Mm -hmm. um how's it been Lenty (laughs) (laughs) um it's been good. I I really appreciate the season of Lent, and uh, I I've always you know just like I love Advent holidays can just come and go so quickly, and you feel like you haven't holy days. That's you know, mm-hmm. and you feel like you haven't had that time to press into it to mm-hmm. really consider it, and so the you know the seasons that come before that are preparation I, I really really appreciate that so yeah um yeah it's been good and I've been I gave up a thing and mm-hmm. that's going well and um how about for you um well I was gonna ask what did you give up are we allowed to say does it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gave up sugar how's that been you know it's not been very hard. I thought it would be because I consume a lot of sugar, um, or did. But I mean, we're only a week and a half in, so you know, it's forty days. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. But no, I I didn't really, I didn't have like the super strong cravings that I expected I would. Um, there's a certain time of day that yeah. I always go for it, and yeah. and then I, you know. When people around me at home are eating ice cream after dinner, I just, <clears throat> you know, go somewhere else or make a glass of tea and pray. <laughs> yeah, pray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but no, it's going well. 
Yeah, it's going well for for me too. I also really appreciate Lent and um, find that it's always a really good reset after kind of the excess of Christmas and then the kind of slump yeah. when the Christmas festivities stop. Mm-hmm. I need something to, you know, people talk about Lent as being a cleansing season. Mm-hmm. And I do. I always feel, and Ethan and I were talking about this, like, for just our whole household. It's like we're cleansed. We get this reset. Mm-hmm. And not so much that we get our, like, our ducks in a row in, like, the material things, but more, like just our hearts get back in the right place mm-hmm. and we just and and in our physical bodies too like habits you know that were built over the the christmas season and then those like slumpy winter weeks following right. before lent um are shaken so we also don't do sugar except for feast days and weekends um sugar or alcohol Mm-hmm. except for feast days and weekends. Um, and we're praying daily. And the big one is um, no screens after bedtime. So after you put the kids to bed, it's like... That's a game changer. It is. And for Ethan, it means no working because he oh, can just yeah. keep working, you know. Yeah. Answering emails from bed right before he turns out the light, you know, yeah. if you could just keep going. So it's a good habit to get into in general. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a game changer. And it's funny because I was like, that's going to be, you know, big for him. That's going to mm-hmm. be a hard one for him. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as it happened, it was hard for me where I found myself wanting to, like, I wanted, do budgeting or bills or oh, right. yeah. look at flowers or whatever. Uh-huh. Like I just, you know, I want to grab that. And so much of, I mean, the things, the work that we do, the, yeah. the checking out that we do. And really the more restful thing is to pick up a book, but it's like, I don't allow myself to get to that. Interesting. You know, yeah. until I feel like, okay, I've checked all the boxes. And yeah. so this rule of no screens after bed, it's just like, well, that's the rule. I can't do it, which pushes me into the rest that I actually need. That's really good. And also, that I feel like I don't deserve, like, I don't deserve to just light a candle and drink tea and read a book at the end of the day. I mm-hmm. should be still accomplishing. If there's work to do, you should be doing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's because we can, you know, you kind of sometimes envy people that had to stop their work because all they had was candlelight mm-hmm. and, you know, and, um, but there, I think that's that's so good because we're not meant to just keep working, and we do need that time to rest and wind down. And um, it's but that that's hard to do with, mm-hmm. without it being really intentional. You said something about how the thing that you actually enjoy more, picking up a book, is hard to do when when you have the screens, right? When you have mm-hmm. and. Um, my class that I teach, my high school class, we were just talking this week about that, about how it was it was some survey about how people don't do the things that they most enjoy because of mostly mm. um, television and screens because it and the, mm. the reason why is because of inertia. It takes more effort to do something like reading a book and we've become so accustomed to 
the simplest thing that distracts us. Mm. And it made me think about how, you know, you find that happening. It's like you're just scrolling, 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 and you're like, I don't even want, you know, I have this other thing that's more enjoyable, you know, this hobby or this, you know, thing that is actually more satisfying. Right. But yet we don't do it, and it's and it's just because it takes more initiative to get that started. That's really interesting because, I, I mean, all of, like, the Lenten practices, what I've learned is that you're taking – a good thing away for, you know, well, some people are actually giving up like sinful bad habits, which you should and don't do those anymore, you know, just give them up. But when it's something like sugar or, you know, uh, you know, screens or whatever, like I need the screen to pay my bills and find all of the tulip bulbs and, you know, do the things that I want to do, but it's replacing a good thing with the best thing, which is Jesus. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to remove this good thing that might have overcrowded, you know, Mm -hmm. become too much. Um, And that's, uh, I was listening to something somewhere (laughs) about how the, just about Lenten practice and how at the beginning of Lent, everybody's all gung-ho and they're like, here we go. Like, I can totally do this. And you feel like. Almost like you're going to get by on your own moxie. Uh-huh. And then that first, you know, whatever, like desire for sugar yeah. or caffeine or whatever, that crazy urge comes along and you're like, oh, can I, do I need to, maybe I can like, do I have to this one time? And, and then you realize, wow, like I am such a frail little human being, mm-hmm. you know, when yeah. during this season that you're saying, we're going to give this up in order to draw closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, but Thin Mints are literally on the top of my fridge. And it takes me two seconds and the kids aren't in here. And yeah, so what if it's, you know, not the weekend yet, you know? And in a way, it's like it's an artificial thing in a way that trains you to tell yourself no so that you can tell yourself no to the things you ought to be saying no to. Right. Or to say yes to the things you ought to be saying yes to. Yeah. And I think about um, exercise. Yeah. And exercise, you know, is to strengthen your body for other things. Right. So that you can be strong and healthy. So you do sit-ups, which is artificial. You're creating a difficulty. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's the idea behind telling yourself no or, or pushing yourself into another discipline. Right. And, and denying oneself, which I heard a great homily about that. Like when you're looking at the best thing, just say, hmm, I'm going to get the second to best thing. Mm-hmm. I think it was a father Mike Schmitz. And he was talking about like, you know, when you're going to buy a car, for example, like, mm-hmm. and you have that one car that you want and it's the model. And he's like, just get like the model grade below that. Huh. Yeah. Just test yourself. Just say, can we do this? Yeah. Or do I have to, you know, satiate every single desire? That's good. You know? Because then, what are you really a slave to? Are you in charge? Or is the desire, you know, in mm-hmm. charge? Right. And and I think it's important to mention, because, you know, not everybody knows, the idea of Lent is based on, it's imitating what Jesus did um, when he went into the desert mm-hmm. for 40 days. And knowing that he would be tempted. It was, you know, it was a test of himself. Mm -hmm. 
And he went there intentionally um, and was tested by Satan mm-hmm. and obviously resisted. Um, and so that's that's kind of the, the idea behind it. It's also 40 years the Israelites were in the desert also being tested. And so it's, you know, something that we do intentionally to strengthen ourselves right? spiritually. And like you said, draw nearer to Jesus. Yeah. There's a really great book sitting right next to me, Bitter and Sweet by Tish Oxenrider. That, mm. And this is the second year um, reading it. I really like it. It's really simple daily reading. Yeah, I have it, and I'd forgotten about it. So when I saw it here, I was like, yeah, pull that back out. Yeah, it's it's good. It just helps you remember why you're doing it. Yeah. What is this about? I think it's a great book, too, for people who are maybe not familiar with Lent. And even though it's already started, you know, there's no reason to be perfectionistic about it. Any any no. time, you know, yes. is good. So, um, yeah, you should put the any time to intentionally draw, draw near, near to, to Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Another another great homily I heard. <laughs> so, and it was uh, that was last year during Lent. Um, uh, one of our priests was saying, "If you've not done a thing, and in these last like five six days, you want to jump in." Do that. Yeah. Jesus will be glad <laughs> for your company yeah. the next five to six days. And I was like, oh, yeah, gosh. Like, this is not a legalistic right. um, practice. This is a, a practice to gain intimacy with Jesus. Yeah. 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 So definitely make sure you link that so people yes, can check it out. Bitter yeah. and Sweet by Tish Oxenreiter. Yeah. And... Um, what are you learning? <laughs> so many things. A lot of things. I'm back in school. I mean, I'm teaching, but I'm also studying. I'm taking a course on C.S. Lewis, which has been awesome. You've got to talk about looking along a thing because sure, you yeah. told me about that and it was. Yeah, mind that's what been one of one of many, many things about. I've always admired C.S. Lewis, but I've been like deep dive for, Mm -hmm. I'm going into the eighth week of the course, the last week of it. So just reading so many of his works. And um, yeah, so he wrote an essay called um, Meditations, Meditation in a Tool Shed. And it's in a book called God in the Dock. So God in the Dock is a collection of essays that he wrote. And Meditation in a Tool Shed, um, he talks about how he went into a dark tool shed and it was very dark. You couldn't see uh, much at all. But there through the a crack, and I think it was at the top of the door from the corner, there was a, a beam of light streaming in. And he said you could see the sunbeam, you know, and so you can imagine that we've all seen sunbeams and he's looking at the sunbeam and within it you see dust floating and um, he's observing it. But then he moved into the sunbeam and so now the beam basically disappeared. Now he was kind of um, consumed by it or, you know, and, and it's, it's, shining on him, mm-hmm. he's no longer looking at it. He says he was looking along it or by it. And what he could see as he you know, looked toward where the light was coming in, he could see uh, leaves on a tree, 
outside of the shed, and then beyond that, he could see the sun itself. And so he explains this, he uses it as an analogy um, for the different ways we perceive. And it was actually, he talked a little bit about it in um, his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, right at the, I think it's in the very last chapter. Um, and it's a, a theory, I can't remember who the found, you know, the author of the theory was, um, and this might be, make it confusing, but since I've already gone there, he talked about, so, so looking at a thing, um, whoever wrote the theory talked about it, um, he called that contemplation mm-hmm. and then looking along it was enjoyment. Now, the thing that can, is confusing is he's using the words contemplation and enjoyment in very different ways than we typically would use them Mm -hmm. so that's why i shouldn't have even brought that part in because it just confuses it so what is what is contemplation looking at a thing looking at a thing so so it's this idea and you gotta to give this some context c.s lewis was very critical of modernism yes and modernistic ideas that really um were very reductionistic so, so for instance, looking at a thing, like you're looking at the sunbeam and you're gaining information, you're perceiving there's a sunbeam here. So another example would be, you know, looking at the idea of falling in love mm-hmm. and how modernism kind of would reduce that to, well, it's just chemical, you know, chemical right. reactions in your brain. Right. And that's what love is. That's really what it is. Right. Um, Whereas looking along the idea of love is more of an experience. It's something that you are perceiving, but you're also being affected by. You're being, um, it's been described as you're, you know, um, you're embracing it, but it's embracing you as well. So, it's so more when you're immersive, exactly, yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, right. I mean, and you think about it: the experience of falling in love, right? Right. Or the experience of love, you know, is um, is much different than looking at the thing and, and saying what is love. And that's what enjoyment would. So right, that would be, be. enjoyment. Yeah, and so what? So it's experiential. Yes, it's, uh-huh. participating it's experiential, in. whereas, ex- that's really good. Yeah, it's participating in it, whereas when you look at the thing, it's kind of at arm's length, you're the observer. Mm-hmm. And so, again, modernism said that is the truest thing about it. Looking at it. Looking at it, right. But that's only one mode of perception. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's just really, really fascinating to me because just understanding one how modernism has influenced us mm-hmm. right so we you know just the kind of the objective removed um, perception of a thing is the truest thing about it right and he was challenging that he was like no that that is that does avail us of some truth but to deny the more subjective experience which I, you got to be careful cuz they're not neatly divided into objective and subjective but but the the, the experiential um aspect is legitimate so could you give an example of that like maybe a problem 
in your life and then looking at it and then looking along it. Yeah. So, um, I don't know that it's a problem, but it's just in my, in my spiritual life, um, you know, just the way I was raised, the kind of church I went to, um, there was a great emphasis on experiential. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, and I did have quite a bit of experience, right. Just in my relationship with God, but, but that was kind of, you know, not like the modernistic ideas. It was like, that's what it was. That's, and, and that I, a relationship with God is this very intense, energetic yeah, experience. Kind of, yeah. And the feeling of it. And so you charismatic. Know, yeah. More charismatic for sure. Um, and then, you know, those who would stand outside of it and look at it, where they're looking at theology and doctrine and things like that, that that was, um, so in, in my experience, you know, kind of it was flipped. Like the real thing is the experience. Right. It's And it, it works, too, with being in love. It's like the real thing is how you feel. Yeah. And so then the looking at it is kind of understanding it and studying, you know, scripture. And, um, and I think just because of, you know, some not great experiences that I had as a younger person, I kind of pulled away from the looking along and was very interested. And probably too, because, you know, I was just curious and I wanted reasons. And right. so I, be, you know, began to just very much look at the thing Mm -hmm. and and so I think that's one example of how learning about you know just that idea that they're both valuable ways of perceiving right um they're both necessary yeah they're both important they both give us together they give us a fuller understanding of of uh the truth but we have to engage both perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I think what when you and I talked about it the first time, what I took away from was just how easy it is when things in my life are going wrong, how easy it is to just look at the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Right. And I stopped there. Right. And in, you know, my laziness and or naivety was like, all right, I've figured this out. I looked at it. This is what it is. And didn't have the humility or the patience to look along it, Hmm. you know, and say, well, what could this thing mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for me, for Ethan, for our kids, for this time, you know? Yeah. If all things are, you know, these circumstances that I'm, I am living a life pursuing Christ I am after him that's what I've made my life about so then if something comes to you know disrupt that pursuit or make it harder then what is it Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like it's it would be just really easy to look at I mean for instance like finances finances are too tight and it's making us uncomfortable. So if I look at that and mm-hmm. just say, well, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And we need to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's this way because of A, B, and C. Maybe that's true, you know? Right. But then to look along it and to say, 
okay, you know, our God is not bound, you know, by just finances. He also is sovereign, you know, a sovereign God. Yeah. And he is good. And we've been honest, you know, and, and tried to do right. the best so with our finances. So there's more to it. So just, what else could yeah. this mean? Mm-hmm. Except yeah. just this one thing. That's so good. That that I see when I'm looking at it. You yeah. know? Like yeah. let's look along I think it's so cool too in the um what is it, the essay called? The dark uh essay from Meditation a tool- in a Toolshed. Meditation in a Toolshed that he's talking about being from a dark place looking at the light. Mm. Because I feel like if we're ever going to look along a thing, it's always going to bring us you know, up and out to Jesus mm-hmm. every time because there's the truth that we can perceive and then there's, you know, the truth that brings us up and into connection with him. And mm-hmm. whenever we're in connection with him, that's going to be a lot more revealing, right? Right, than yeah. just my earthly human perspective. Yes, yeah, and that's the idea of looking along or looking by it. It is going to broaden our perspective, and it's also, uh, in my mind, it's it's not. It well, there's an aspect of transcendence to it, right? It's not just my observation, my assessment, my. It gives you this holy curiosity, like, curiosity. What and could hope. this be? Yeah. Yeah. Another that's really good. Another um, when you're talking, I remembered when I first read it. It made me think about marriage. Because I think that just mm-hmm. because we're very formed by the culture, the culture <laughs> and psychology, especially that we we look at marriage, our own marriage, we scrutinize our marriage. We're very attuned to what is not healthy here. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to minimize that. You know, we ought to be working toward healthy relationships with our spouse. But it made me think, gosh, we're so good at looking at the mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. We're almost like looking for them. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, but this is still. Okay, everybody's know. got their spyglass out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I remember when I first read about it, I was like, what if we, you know, stepped into the sunbeam? What if we looked along? And, you know, and, and again, like you, the word immersive, I think is really good looked along the situation that we are, you know, facing. Um, You know, personally, I feel like our ideals with regard to marriage are very (laughs) unrealistic often, (laughs) you know, and um, mostly because we're looking at what's going to make me happy. What's going to, you know, and, and there's legitimate things that we ought to hope for and expect, you know, in our marriage to make us happy. But we just so conveniently forget what marriage is really meant to be in terms of laying our life down for the other and learning to love um, like Christ loves. And so, you know, when we're just looking at the thing, we, you know, this is wrong. This needs to be fixed. And yeah. And again, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying ignore your problems, but that's not the only thing that's going on. Right. So if I'm in a challenge that I'm working through, you know, mm-hmm. with my spouse, I feel like when I'm when I look along it, when I look by it, it helps me to see, um, wow, I've I've got an opportunity here to mm-hmm. trust Christ more, to love like Christ 
loves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, that's one application I think that's been really just interesting for me Yeah, with it. That reminds me, um, we just read Pilgrim's Progress mm-hmm. and um, just that marriage in particular is, it's a sojourn towards heaven and you get to do it with this person, you know, that's, yeah. this is our, our eternal sojourn starts now, me and you and, and just the, you know, um, uh, pilgrim, um, Christian and uh, hopeful mm-hmm. and how they are, I mean, they're not uh, husband and wife, but they're two friends mm-hmm. and they're trying to get to the celestial city. And there are several times when there are problems between them, uh-huh. but that doesn't, you know, what's, what is maintained in both their minds is we're trying to get yeah, to the celestial goal. city. Yeah. You know, so for a marriage, like, I mean, just thinking about looking along or looking by a thing, like, no matter what is happening, we are trying to get to the celestial city. You know, Mm -hmm. we're trying to go this way and we're trying to walk this path and we're both trying to do it together. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm here to help you walk this and you're here to help me walk this. And time and time again, it's not... um, it's kind of a little rabbit trail into just marriage in general, but yeah. it's not a 50-50. It's yeah. like Jeez, one no. of them just kind of pulling the other along exactly. or, you know, at one point Christian is totally despairing and hopeful is like, who are you? What are we? Who are we? We're on our way. Uh-huh. The celestial city, look at how we've been helped. And it just makes me think like how easy it would have been for hopeful to be like, really? You're my partner? I'm trying to get to the (laughs) celestial city. And you're here moping and crying and, you know, think a, you know, uh, giant is going to crush your skull. And I really could have done with someone with a little more moxie to get to the (laughs) celestial city, you know? And how often am I, you know, just as petty with my husband? Like, I'm trying to do these things. And, Mm You and your sinfulness is in the way of me doing my things in the way I want to do my things and get to the celestial city, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah. But looking along a thing could really help me right. keep proper perspective on where are we going? Mm-hmm. And is this even about my comfort, you know? Mm-hmm. And no, I mean, not trying to, you know, have a downer. I guess this is pretty lenty, but I mean, like, you know, the, yeah. the, the Christian, I mean, Jesus loves us and he wants us to abide in him, but we're also promised hardship if Absolutely. we choose. Yeah. yeah. I just, this, this life, right. This week, uh, the book that we're studying is, um, the problem of pain, which is, Gosh, I mean, everything he wrote was really fascinating. And, I mean, his mind was just, uh, Lewis, C.S. Lewis, his mind was just, it's like he leaves no rock unturned, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're reading through it. It's like, could you just calm down and let me (laughs) process what you, you know? And I'm having to read them way faster. I mean, probably what I've read, I would take like, you know, 10 times longer just to process it. But anyway, yeah, and and he... um, in the problem of pain, 
It just, you know, shows kind of the necessity of it um, and how... Of pain. Of pain, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously that it emanates because of evil, because of sin, but then how God uses it in our lives, you know, even that... that uh, there's a term, um, oh gosh, happy fault. And I'm trying to remember the Latin. I can't, something culpa, Felix culpa, maybe? Um, but it's the idea that, it, you know, a bad thing is used as a good. And, you know, and happy fault is the original, is that Adam and Eve's fall that it's actually a happy fault that because of it, we can know the love of God through Jesus's redemption. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm, I kind of thought of that when I'm talking about, you know, the necessity of pain. I mean, it's just a consequence of sin, but then it's something then that God uses to, to um, draw us to himself, mm-hmm. which is I, to me so hopeful and promising. Yes. Because it's inevitable. And so, um, there's no escaping it, right? Yeah. And to know that God is going to take this thing that without God would only be devastating and disillusioning, but he's going to use it to, yeah, to, to draw us to himself, to help us to know him more, which is actually what our souls most long for. That narrative makes room for people with problems yeah. and it's really funny how easy it is as a christian to feel ashamed of or feel like you shouldn't have problems yeah and i think at least for myself like the more humbled i am by life and life's you know small hardships i don't claim to you know be going through anything too dreadful but mm-hmm. you know it it's amazing how many problems I have. <laughs> it's right. And that incredible. and we can trouble our own trouble by feeling shame, like somehow I ought not to have right. these struggles. But the root of all sin is pride. And God's not surprised by our struggle. He's not surprised that we have, you know, sinful behaviors or habits. Well, especially he's in the process of sanctifying us, conforming us to the image of Jesus. And that's going to squeeze out a whole lot of ugly. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But that just, I mean, what you're saying just means it's it's okay and it's expected for me to be in process. Yeah. I am an in-process Christian. (laughs) Yeah. And actually, I feel like in in a sense what we're doing right now is is kind of a, an example of the difference between when, with regard to our trials and our pain. We can just look at it, yeah, but then looking along it, yeah. letting the pain inform us, letting, right. you know, letting our trials and our struggles cause us to see new things. Yes, that we wouldn't see without them. Yeah. Yeah. And just to recognize that littleness that we are. That he is a father, and we are a child, and we just need to keep coming back to him. Pray and do the work he's given us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
before I forget, Meditation in a Tool Shed is online. So if you... We should link that. We'll link it, but also if people just, you know, search for it. it's. But yeah, yeah. we'll definitely link it because it's a short essay. Um, it's good. It's, and I hope, you know, whoever's listening... Um, you, you should read it. I feel like if you read it, everything we've said will make a lot more sense because, you know, I don't know how well I explained it, but um, hopefully it's something that's challenging and encouraging and broadening, you know, to your perspective as well. A fruitful Lent to you. <laughs> to you too. <laughs>